Listeners, you're listening to Beckett's Babies. I'm Sam Collier. And I'm Sarah Cho. And today we are inter I am interviewing Sarah Cho. Woo! It's me. <laughs> so we just did the reverse and now um now it's my turn to ask all the questions. And a reminder, I have a cold, so please pardon the coughing. So um Sarah. You're a playwright. Mm-hmm. We like to ask playwrights what their first memory was, the first thing they remember before theater or playwriting or any of this nonsense. Mm-hmm. So what is your earliest memory? Oh, my earliest memory I could think of right now is um, I had a weird spitting problem. Did I ever tell you this story? <laughs> yeah, you did. Right? I don't know why that that's the earliest because I was four years old. I'm trying to remember anything earlier than that. But yeah, you guys, I had a really bad spitting problem when I was a kid. I would just always think that there was hair in my mouth. And I would just spit on carpet floors, wooden floors, any floors you can think of. I was just spitting all over the place. Um, and then one day, my teacher, it was like a... a storytelling hour or something she was reading a children's book and I was in the back and I had this urge to spit again and I I would just like cover my mouth and pretend like you can't see me I can't see you I'm spitting and then I would spit and I remember the teacher just calling me out in front of everyone she screamed at me Sarah Cho stop spitting she like screamed so loud and she just like I don't know. She shamed you. She shamed me in front of everyone. And next thing I know, I, like I'm, she pins a little note on me, and I'm walking home. My parents see the note. They also get a call from the teacher saying I have a problem. Oh my gosh! <laughs> and then, um, and my dad, he he was just like lecturing me, yelling at me, really like just so upset because he knew I had this problem too. And then I think the teacher contacting him was the last straw, and he like picked me up. And then took me outside and then dropped me in the trash. <gasps> you have told me that story. Right? That's horrible. Yeah. I've forgotten about he that. He was like, if you're going <laughs> to act like trash, you're going to be oh with trash. Oh, my gosh. That's horrible. And then that was – but the thing is what's so funny was like I'm in the trash and like I, I remember thinking I'm fine being in the trash. Like this is fine. But I started to freak out only because – I remember there was a dog nearby and I was afraid of the dog. Oh my God, so Sarah. I was like trying to get out of the trash so I could run away from the dog. And you were four? I think, yeah, I was like four. I was in some preschool. Um, and wow. that's my earliest memory that I'm trying to think of. Was that yeah. traumatic? You know, not, I mean, it sounds traumatic. It does. <laughs> but I wasn't traumatized. I don't think so because when you're in that moment don't you think when you're that young you think this is normal yeah totally (laughs) and so you grew up with this idea of this is normal so but then you find um, out it's not normal and then you become a playwright and then i share the trauma with all my (laughs) readers and the audience um but yeah that's the earliest memory i could think of um and just really stuck with me you talked yeah. a little bit about the spinning when we had our episode where we discussed um, headlines. Yeah. <clears throat> oh, yes. Mm-hmm. Because there was the one that was my daughter was a biter or something. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And so that's this is the full story. This is the full story, listeners. That you're getting here. The deeper insight. Mm-hmm. Wow. 
Well, and so then what got you into theater? Um, let's see. I, you know, theater wasn't <laughs> what I was ever interested in. I, I mean, I, I think I was doing theater not realizing it was theater. Mm-hmm. Like I would be performing in front of my family or I was, um, performing in front of friends, making them laugh and doing all these things. And, um, and I think my first kind of, I don't know, theater quotes, um, I was like every summer when I was a kid, I was going to Bible camp mm-hmm. and we would have to do like skits, like take a Bible story, do a skit about it and things like that. And then, so do you remember any of the roles you played from the Bible? Mm, no, because it, it was like all group and, it, yeah. and you're creating a skit with the music. Okay. And so it wasn't like anything. Um, you weren't like Noah building yeah. a ark or like. Yeah, but I remember Moses. always taking charge. Like, this makes no sense. Like, this is not fun. This is not <laughs> cool. This is not. <laughs> and I'm just like bullying people to do certain things. And um, and did they listen? Um, not really. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. So, and then there was this one summer. I don't know. I don't know which summer it was, but I think it was when I was in high school. And for some reason, the church put me in charge to get all the kids to do a skit. And then I was kind of directing and making the skit. And we did this whole, like, revisioned history or something about the Noah's Ark. Oh, you did? Yeah. Wow. And I just remember, like, it was very spectacle. I, like, made the giant whale. Like, I... I, car- I cut wow. the cardboards out. I had all the kids like, mo- like it was like a dance and movement and all these things. And it it was like the first time that parents saw anything like it. They were just like used to kind of kids just miming things, but they saw it was like a whole production and yeah. they were like, "What the heck?" Um, and so That's I really so enjoyed cool. doing that, and that was really fun. And yeah, and then high school, my last senior year, um, I took a theater one class. I was the only senior amongst freshmen taking this acting class because I needed a like a performing arts um class to to graduate and I guess I hadn't done anything in the last four years of my high school yeah so I had to do that and memorize lines to be with an acting partner do mirror exercising They're like <laughs> what is all this um so I did that and then I, I think and then that's where I kind of caught that fear bug mm-hmm. where I was like oh this is kind of fun this I don't know you I didn't know kids stay after school for this. <laughs> kids would stay after school to do theater. And what do you think caught your interest about it? What, like, what made it fun? What made it fun? <clears throat> what made it different from all the other things you were doing as a kid? Um, other than getting to boss everybody around? I think that was a big part of it. <laughs> uh, I think. I don't know. It was something about the way maybe the teacher, you know, in any other classes, right? I just felt like the teacher is just talking at us and you're like reading. But this one, it felt more like the teacher was guiding us. And then the teacher was um, wanting us to have our own opinion about the work or things like that. It was like a different kind of thinking that I was like, this is way different from any other class I've been in. And so I think that's what oh, that's cool. I was like, oh, there's 
it doesn't feel like prison <laughs> or like we're, <laughs> we're in the high school classes yeah. where I just felt like, oh, turn in my assignment and teachers talking at us. I'm not allowed to raise my hand and talk. Whereas in the theater right. acting class, you know, the teacher wanted us to speak and um, have an opinion and, um, and let those opinions inform the way we acted or something. Like yeah. it, was, it was a whole new way of thinking. Oh, that's so cool. Yeah. And I'm kind of glad I had that in my last year before going to college, where in college, that's all you have to, that's the way of thinking. They right. want you have those discussion classes and they're like, what is your opinion about this? And like um, writing papers and having yeah. an argument, you know? Yeah. yeah. So <clears throat> can you talk a little bit about how your um, – how your playwriting aesthetic was shaped by the things you read or saw early on, like which playwrights had a big influence on you and mm. um, how you see your own work mm-hmm. drawing on those, those voices that you encountered. Yeah. Well, yeah, I, I think up until my theater class, I, I was okay. Here's the thing. For the longest time I remember, I was just watching comedies. Mm-hmm. Like the bluest, dirtiest comedies you could ever think of. I was watching all of Chris Farley, Adam Sandler's, all the, from, up from the 90s, early aughts. Um, so like comedy was like just always in my mind. And so honestly, when I went to college, I was taking a theater class and thinking about majoring in it. I just, it's so weird, but I kept comparing. Like, this isn't like Adam Sandler. Yeah. <laughs> this isn't like, yeah. I just, because I, I think I came with such a strong agenda of what I liked. Mm-hmm. And so I just like, it was hard for me to even enjoy any of the plays because I, I, yeah. I just felt like I just already, my mind was already said what I liked. Um, and then I think when, you know, um, we had a guest on our show, Monica. We went to the same college, and she talked about the contemporary plays um, <clears throat> class that we were in. And, yeah, we were reading you know, Paula Vogel, Sam Shepard. Um, was that class uh, the first time you read, read Sam Shepard? Mm-hmm. And what yeah. was that? Do you remember? I mean, Sam Shepard has mm-hmm. clearly had such a big influence on yeah. you as a writer. Do you remember mm-hmm. what that felt like to read him for the first time? I think he was the first writer up until all the writers where I think he understood family in a way that I understood family. Oh, cool. Like his relationship, like, and maybe even, you know, a little bit of O'Neill too. I felt yeah. like him and Sam Shepard, both of them, and I'm like, I'm a, I'm a Korean American girl from LA. You know, I just always, no one get, understands the, the, the dynamic of a family that I'm from. Mm-hmm. Some, you know, I don't want to say the word violent, but there's a lot of like violence um, in a way that um, Shem, Sam Shepard kind of really, like you saw it in the words and mm-hmm. then in the subtext that I was um blown away by I'm like oh he understands where I'm coming from and he understands the the trauma and the violence and the the family relationships mm-hmm. that it's not this cookie cutter perfect family or 
And do you remember thinking, was, oh, this makes me want to write my own plays? Seeing somebody else write about their family in this way makes me want to write Yeah, about my I think family. so. I think so. I think it, it, it was a weird sense of a permission that I yeah. kind of got. I was like, oh, I don't... <laughs> I was like, oh, up until that point, I mean, I was, maybe I was thinking, like, all plays have to be, like, who's afraid of Virginia Woolf? You know? Yeah. Like, oh, it has to be kind of this way or um, the style. And then, yeah, I think watching a Sam Shepard play and reading his plays, I was like, okay, it doesn't have to be that way. That's so mm-hmm. important, I think, for young writers to encounter mm-hmm. voices like that. And I'm mm-hmm. wondering, I know you said you don't love teaching, mm-hmm. but I'm wondering um, if you were to t- teach a class again to young playwrights, what you would give them to read to show them that they have permission to write the mm. kinds of stories they want to write. Yeah, what is one of those plays? Um, hmm. You know, another playwright really love is Naomi Izuka. Oh yeah. Yeah. That's like another play what playwrights a uh, playwright that that would be on my syllabus. Yeah. <laughs> Why? Um I don't know what it is, but it's like those feelings I just expressed. It's like a little bit more nuanced with her. Mm-hmm. So I'm like, oh it doesn't also doesn't have to constantly be in all caps. <laughs> the way you're right. I'd be screaming at the people. Um, um, mm-hmm. and and very poetic and beautiful. Mm-hmm. It's still um getting those ideas. Oh, <laughs> there's the clock. That's the clock. Do you hear the birds? It's so funny. Um, we should have let them believe it was an actual bird. <laughs> no, <laughs> to call it out. Um, yeah. Yeah. I'm trying to think what others. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah. Were there any playwriting exercises you did or assignments that you got when you were just starting out as a playwright <laughs> that, that had a big impact on the kind of work you were creating? Um... So another thing that I was doing in college, I started getting into was improv, mm-hmm. and um, the writing exercise that that I'm thinking of right now is where you know you write a line, mm-hmm. you fold it, mm-hmm. and you pass it on to the next line, yeah. and you could only write the next line based on the line before, which is so much like improv where you're listening and you're reacting to the last line you you just heard. You kinda, yeah, it's all reaction, and so that exercise. Um, was what I'm thinking of right now because <laughs> and then it was fun right yeah because you're also <laughs> writing together in this community you're like sharing each other's words and you're it's fun to see what the other person thought of your line and reacting to yeah. that line like there's just something about that this nice back and forth that you're getting um so that's a, I don't even know what that exercise is called. It's called an exquisite corpse. It's a surrealist Ooh. exercise. But that's reminding me of when we both taught playwriting. And um, do you remember this? We are, we had our students be pen pals, kind of pen pals. Yeah. And they had to write a play collaboratively where one student from my class would write a line of dialogue and then mm-hmm. give it to you. 
Or maybe oh, they would write like a, a couple lines or, or a something, page or something, a page. Yeah, or something like that. Yeah, and then we would. Um, and they didn't. They weren't allowed to know who each, who each other, other was. was. Yeah, that was so fun. <coughs> we read really fun together. We, at yeah, the end. we read them. We read them on the last day. Yeah, we were doing that back and forth. Yeah, yeah. What, yeah. whole semester. Yeah, I think so. Wow, what a, we're such great teachers. <laughs> it was totally your idea. It was a great idea. Oh, that was fun. Um, but. But I think that's good too. It's a good exercise because you have to give up some control and and mm. let the other person, um, well, as you would in improv, mm-hmm. let the other person's impulses mm-hmm. change the direction as much as your own. Yeah. So you write a lot of comedy and you think a lot about comedy. So, and I remember when we were in grad school, you were really reading deeply about comedy and kind of shaping your understanding of different kinds of comedy. So I'm wondering mm-hmm. if you can talk a little bit about, like, do you have a philosophy of comedy or, or what comedy is good for? Or why we, why do we make things that are funny as opposed <laughs> to always things that are serious? Oh, man. I feel like this is going to be a lifelong quest. I, I honestly yeah. feel like I'm always thinking about this every day. And, then, you know, right now I'm doing sketch comedy. And I got into sketch comedy because that's whole purpose. I was like, I want to get better at comedy. And I feel like sketch comedy was this direct input, like direct mm. um, just dropping into the world more immediately than and when you were thinking i want to get better at comedy did you mean i want to i want to write funnier content or i want to be a funnier performer or i want to understand comedy better or what did you mean by that yeah i think it was all those things it was um like i wanted to know what makes why did why did audience laugh at this oh okay why why do audience react to this why are they laughing at this and not that um you know and I remember one of the things I remember a professor told me because I would just like just like laugh at almost everything. I was mm-hmm. like, "That is hilarious." Even the people thought it was not funny. Mm-hmm. I was like, "That is so funny" because maybe it was ironic or something. And and she pointed out to me that's your laughter or like you're reacting. That's like an acid test to like oh. what you think is funny mm-hmm. and something like that. But I like. You think everything's funny. Everything, everything, everything is funny. So it's a dilemma. I was yeah. like, I think everything is funny and no one thinks it's funny. So <laughs> then you no can't one, tell. I can't tell. Um, my judgment <laughs> is so off. Um, no, I think that's good. That's like you're an omnivorous yeah. comedian. Yeah. I think, and I think I laugh at things when, when I feel like the character is unaware of its failures or Uh that or they're unaware of everything around them the world is crushing and they're just living obliviously or something so there's a disconnect between Uh what the character yeah what they're thinking about and what's actually going on around them Mm -hmm. i think that disconnect is like i'm always constantly finding the disconnect Mm -hmm. it's like always a search and then yeah so what do you think you've learned from doing sketch comedy Sketch comedy, oh man. Uh, one is joke writing. I never wrote jokes mm. ever in my life, <clears throat> and it, I'm, I'm I'm still. It's like such a struggle. Mm-hmm. Like set up punchline, set up punchline, like that mm-hmm. whole thing. I'm just like I don't think that way. 
but it's a good challenge for me mm-hmm. because um, it's the element of surprise that where people are laughing when you do that. It's like you set it up and then when you subvert that expectation to mm-hmm. the audience, they're like, oh, I didn't think they would say that. And they said that instead, then they laugh. That's like Sherry Kramer's theory about the mm. perception shift. It's yeah. The, it's the same idea. Yeah. Which she gets from Oscar Brownstein, I guess. Um, yeah. Can you give me an example of a really good joke where you think that surprise mm. is – I know I'm putting you on the spot. Let me see. <clears throat> oh, this isn't a good joke. This is actually a really bad joke. I'm not going to say this joke. It's a very <laughs> offensive joke. Okay, don't say an offensive <laughs> joke. But that's all I can think of right now. I'm not going to say it. Um – I can't think of a joke right now. That's okay. I but I know the, the I know the example she was kind of like um was it like three violins walk into a bar or something, right? <laughs> yeah. I don't know, something like walks into a bar joke and Yeah. Yeah. I can't think of maybe I'll just make up right now. Okay. So three violins walk into a bar. The bartender says, Get the heck out of here. <laughs> and then the violin <laughs> says No, actually this is more punny. But they'll be like, the sign says no strings attached. <laughs> I don't know. Something like that. That was amazing. You're just freestyling a joke right uh, now. I know. I, I'm just, I'm, it's, this is a game I, I remember playing with improvisers. That's why I'm saying this. Oh, I see. Yeah. <laughs> so dumb. Yeah. But also it made me laugh. Because um, you didn't know what I was going to say. Yeah. Right? Okay. But then when you found the connection, I was like, oh. Right, because I thought it was going to be something about music, and then it was something about strings. And and there's that pun mm-hmm. where you, you said no strings. This is, I'm not going to do this because <laughs> it will just make it not funny. Um, okay, so what is on your mind right now? What are you thinking about writing? What, what yeah. What's going on for you oh, in yeah. your artistic life? Yeah. So... I don't know if, this, if you've ever had this, but I feel like I've had these like mini revelations about myself mm-hmm. after I write a play or two and three and I, then I look at them, reflect on like the collection of play I just wrote. Mm-hmm. And I think I realize all my work, some kind of an ongoing theme I've always had has always been the idea of work mm-hmm. or what does work mean? Um like middle class because I came from mm-hmm. my family came from like a working class we um single parent <coughs> and so I right now I'm just all I'm thinking about is the billionaires the one percent oh my god <laughs> is that your Bernie Sanders impression <laughs> it's my Bernie Sanders it's really good thank you I've been working on it um <laughs> no but I just feel like I'm like just thinking a lot about um. Um, just what does work mean in general? Like yeah, I'm just constantly thinking about. Um. Um, that sounds really yeah. interesting. Are I'm you going to write a play about work? You know, I I, I think I already do. Or there's there. It's all like just in there, like a mm-hmm. seed of it. Mm-hmm. But it's always changing different ways cool yeah i don't know i'm always um yeah like right oh the play i sent you yeah which i'm gonna read it is it is kind of i was just kind of thinking about um like a building of an app Mm. and the tech and the people involved or something but then i'm also thinking about um 
I have also themes of just, you know, being an Asian American. I just, you know, it's so funny. Like, Asian being an Asian American is something I just didn't really think about um, up until maybe since Trump became president. Yeah. <laughs> just, I'm, I'm just constantly thinking about, like, every time I hear the president and what he's doing or whatever, I'm always constantly thinking of my place in the, yeah. the society and community and things like that. And so part of that is being Asian American and, like, what is my place here? What, um, so that's, so yeah, it's work and being Asian American. What does that mean? And so you find that influencing the kind of, mm-hmm. um, things you're writing about too. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. Hmm. Cool. That's a lot. Yeah. We live in interesting times. Yeah. Um, <laughs> the one percent. Oh my God. <laughs> Um, well, I want to ask you one more question. Um, if you could give one piece of advice to new playwrights who might be mm. listening to this, what what advice would you give them? Oh, man, what advice? Now I know how our guests feel. um i I think it's kind of two-part it's um and i think guests have said but don't be afraid to try new things Mm um getting out of your comfort zone but simultaneously just work really hard. Yeah. <laughs> work your butt off. Even if you feel like you're unsure if this is the right thing you're doing or you're yeah. like, just, I think just showing your interest and showing that you want to help and be helpful, just being in the room and just, and just working hard. And know? does that mean writing constantly or does it mean getting involved in shows and like I sketch think, comedy as you've done or? Yeah. Like, I think it's all those things. It's, you know, and I'm, it's always constant battle because maybe you feel discouraged when you don't see people work as hard as you. And yeah. you're like, uh, like, what is the point of all this? Mm-hmm. You kind of have to pass that feeling and just be like, it's not about me. It's about the greater good here, mm-hmm. like the greater vision here. And so I'm always just, you know, um, just like a little thing. But with my sketch team, I was like, you know, I might not be the funniest writer here. I might not be the, like, the, the best performer here or the great reader here or whatever. But you know what I can do? I can be the, like, the best prepared, the yeah. well-prepared. Ooh, so, yeah. like, I have this, and I learned it from, like, stage manners. I have my own little kit, like, mm-hmm. scissors, tapes, whatever. Mm-hmm. And so, like, we're, you know, we have a show every month. And so I could always hear like, oh, do we need tape to post this? And I go, I got tape. Oh my gosh, you that's know, I'm amazing. Always that, and so I want to be that person. It's like, yeah. So See, that's your cancer moon, I think. That's Taking my cancer care moon? of everybody, oh, being prepared. Oh, interesting. Okay, I could see that now. We have to go back to astrology, I guess. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, I like because I feel like that is something tangible I could do, mm-hmm. you know, right? And then, so, because I, I just, I feel like I can't control anything else other than being the most prepared that's really good advice make yourself indispensable by having Mm -hmm. the scissors in the tape (laughs) yeah yeah i love that yeah 
Well, Sarah, um, something we do on this show at the end of every episode is glistens. What the heck is that? (laughs) We talk about things we've read or seen in the last week um, or or just done, like life stuff Mm -hmm. um, that's on our minds. So what's your glisten for the week? Oh, my glisten... Is you, Sam? <laughs> oh my god, Sarah! <laughs> Shucks! Oh my gosh! Um, yeah, it's always so fun to see you. I know we have such a good friendship. I know we could be worlds apart and doing other things and be miles apart and talk once a week, but yeah, yeah, it's fun. It feels like yeah. no time has passed. Yeah, and even though I know you're really here to visit. Um, your fiance's family. I feel like you're here, actually here to visit me. Um, I think that was the whole reason I was supposed <laughs> to go visit. Um, um cool. Yeah. Well, my lesson is you, Sarah. What the? What? <laughs> um, I don't know what to say now. <laughs> okay, so our lesson is each other. Yeah. And, yeah. And friendship. You know, everyone the listeners like, all right, I'm going to turn this off now. <laughs> like, this is getting over. way too sensitive. <laughs> all right. Well, thanks for listening, everybody. Um, and don't forget to like us on all the social media things mm-hmm. and tell your friends about us. And yeah. if you ever have any ideas or questions you want to share with us, we love hearing from you. So please get in touch. All right. Thank you. Thank <laughs> you.